Blog Talk Radio. Under the penalty of death. That's coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. Hi, and welcome to The Right Stuff of the Queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we're going to be talking to one of my favorite kinds of authors, the debut novelist. We are talking today to Christina Mears, and she is going to be releasing her first novel, Under the Penalty of Death. Guess what, gang? You got to go ahead, love of my sister, and get your copy of this wonderful book today because she is going to be just so thrilled that you supported her. I can't wait to tell you more about this book in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We've been showcasing Christian authors for 10 years. As God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff. If you want to stay up to date with PJC Media, go to pjcmedia.net. Click on that pink follow button. You'll never miss a show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for updates, uploads, and more. Go ahead and subscribe today. Lastly, I want to thank you all for your support of my newest release, The Redemption Bride. It's part of the Blizzard Bride series as a companion tale. Your response has been absolutely phenomenal. So go ahead. If you haven't had a chance, click one click on Amazon today. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring Christina on board. Christina, how you doing? Hi there, Parker. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for giving me the honor of being on your show. I am so glad you took time out of your schedule to be here with me today. I don't take it lightly. And I'm really excited because it is your debut novel. And I love, love interviewing debut novelists because you did something a lot of people don't do. You finished the story, you completed the task, and now it's ready for worldwide consumption. How do you feel about that? Oh, I am so excited. In fact, I I just got my book in the mail this morning, uh, my author copy, box of author copies, and I am so excited. It's um, actually something that I've been dreaming of, oh, I don't know, maybe all my life. And, and now it's here. It's here. Yes. Yeah. And, um, I, I didn't think it would happen. Goodness, older people just don't do things like this. And um, I turned 64 last year, and here's my book. Here's my dream. I'm so excited. I've had the pleasure of interviewing lots of authors on the show. My oldest first-time novelist was 80. So you are never mm-hmm. too young or too old to begin your dream. Because I know what it's like when you get your first book in your hand, and it's quite an emotional event. You've been working towards its goal, and it's finally here. And ebooks will never give you the same satisfaction as having a print or hardback copy in your hand. And you can smell the ink, feel the paper, touch it, and go, this is my baby. Take a look at that. And we want to take a look at that by you peeling back the curtains on your journey to this moment here. But before I do that, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. 
as I've said, I've wanted to be an author forever. I always enjoyed reading. When I was very young, I was told I couldn't read, um, that I didn't have the ability. I had, I have extreme dyslexia. And um, because of that, I was told I couldn't, there wasn't a whole lot that I could do in my life. And um, I was discouraged from a lot of things. Teachers discouraged me from, I always wanted to help um, the, the younger kids. It, it was a big deal to go out on, during recess and, and take your recess and go into the first and second grade classes when I was in fourth and fifth. And you could sit next to them and, and listen to them read and help them read. And that was reserved for people that were doing very well in, in reading. And I snuck in because I wanted to do that. And about two months, I got after about two months, I got caught and I was brought into the office and said, this is not something you're going to be able to do. You can't read. You can't. Um, and, and I was reading on my own. I just couldn't read in class and I couldn't read under pressure. And so it was it was a hard time. And um, there was a lot of hoops that I had to jump through to train myself um, how to write. I couldn't spell very well because my dyslexia um, would trans, um, transform up numbers on the page. And um, so it was just something that I always wanted to do and never thought I could do. Um, there were a lot of, I was raised in a, in a Christian home with my dad. Um, I remember him waking up uh, at three in the morning to um, he was a, a milkman and had to get out of the house by four. So he was up at three o'clock sitting at the kitchen table um, and praying. He was praying, reading the word. I would get up, wake up in the middle of the night, wander in, see the light on, and I would see him praying. And that was a large impact on my life. Um, there were a lot of things. It wasn't a perfect home. There were a lot of things that were going on behind the scenes, like in most houses. But that was a memory that that never left me. And he's still a man of prayer. He's 94 years old now, and he is um, still the first thing you go over and say, how are you doing, Dad? What's going on? And, and this is going on in my life. And he's, well, let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. And I learned early on that prayer was the most effective thing that you could do. I would love for you to give us insight into what it's like to have dyslexia. Hearing someone tell you that you can't do this, it just crushes my heart. Reading is such an important part of my life that I can't imagine not being able to do it or having difficulty in doing it. If you don't mind being as transparent as you would like, I would love for you to tell us what it's like to live with that challenge to overcome. Yeah, well, Parker, you know, it's it's hard for me to compare because I've never lived with anything else. I've trained myself to, um, to go slow, to learn, um, or to, to take jobs a little bit of a at a time. Um, if I didn't have the tools that we have now, the 
the marvelous things of the the internet and AI and being the you know the the um pro writing aid and the the different things that spell check and um then I may not be where I am today, but God placed me here in this time with these tools um and I am able to do it. I think that we can come overcome anything because this is what the this is how God made us, and He made us that way for a reason. And I think um, it was hard. There were times when people told me I couldn't do things. But, you know, it could be that if I wasn't told that, then I might not be here. I was a pretty, um, oh, rebellious, um, cantankerous, obstinate little girl. Um, if you told me something that I couldn't do something... I would prove you wrong. And if you told me that that's the way I just was, um, in other ways, um, my mother wasn't as um, encouraging as my father was. Um, there was a lot going on there that I don't know, I don't really want to get into right now, but um, she told me I couldn't do things. She told me that... Um, but she also told me I was always this bad kid. There was always, I was always getting in trouble. So since I was getting in trouble anyway, and she told me I was a bad kid, I wanted to prove her right. And so um, I think God gives you what you need to become the person that he wants you to be. To say um, that dyslexia was a handicap, I don't know if it was. I, I think it was exactly what I needed in order to become who God wanted me to be. I love that you say it may not have been a handicap, but it was something God used. It really goes back to that verse in the Bible that says, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. One of the things we tend to focus on when we talk about the supernatural is that we focus on miracles, not understanding that there is something miraculous about how the Lord can use a disadvantage to his advantage. With a disadvantage to us, it's just an opportunity for him to show out and to show up and to say, look what I can do. And then we just fall on our knees in thankfulness that he used this disadvantage, quote unquote, to take us to an advantage. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. And just listening to your story, I can tell that the road was difficult for you, but the Lord blessed you anyway. Right, exactly. One of the um, one of my favorite verses, and um, one that I actually kind of leaned on in in this um, first book, Under Penalty of Death, Death, is from Isaiah forty three, um, eighteen and nineteen. It says, "Remember not the former things; consider." nor consider the things of the past. Behold, I am doing a new thing in you. Hey, now it will spring forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and a river in the desert. And I, I think that is not only a promise that God will do what he intends on doing, but that we have 
deserts and rivers and and obstacles that that we have to go through. That's life. But he's going to be there. I love that verse, too, because he said, I'm going to do a new thing. And when you hear that, it just gives you so much anticipation Mm -hmm. what that new thing is. And he says, behold, I make all things new. You are a new creature. All these things about being new that we don't have to stay stuck in the old way. Oh, that just resonates through me. I am tingling right now. That just resonates through me. I'm so glad, Christina, that the Lord is using you to just encourage our listeners today that no matter what the challenge you have with God, all things are possible. And speaking of possibility, this book falls under that umbrella. And so let's talk about Under the Penalty of Death. And when I first heard the title, I was like, oh, my gosh, what's about to happen here? <laughs> you know? And then I find out it's a book of biblical fiction. And this book is endorsed, I believe, endorsed by Mesu Andrews, who, who is one of the queens of biblical religious fiction that she's been on the show before as well. So I'm excited to dig into Under the Penalty of Death. Before I do that, you said this idea had been in your mind for a long time. So let's go ahead and talk about the genesis of this idea. Wow. Well, you know, Parker, like I said, I always loved to read. And again, probably because they told me I couldn't read, I wanted to read more. And so, um, and I wasn't a real outgoing child. Um, So reading just came naturally. And I um, loved watching my dad pray. And I knew there was a strength in there. And so I was drawn to biblical stories and Christian fiction. Um, but, you know, it got me really discouraged. <laughs> and and I hesitate to say this because I don't want people to take this the wrong way. But I knew what a rebellious um, evil, I guess we're all evil. We all have that sin nature. I knew that was in me. And I didn't know how to escape it. I wanted to live for God, but even in my desire to live for God, I wanted, like all of us, to have my own way, to live for myself. And so I would be drawn to these stories about these people that have their their lives changed and miraculously um, renewed by God, but then the story would end. (laughs) And it's like, um, in my life, I would give my myself to God every Sunday. It was like, <laughs> uh, let's do this again, Lord. Um, and um, <laughs> and then I'd go my way throughout the the week, and I I would sin, and I would I would lie, and I was a little kleptomaniac. Um, not big things, but you know, I would if if I wanted something and I didn't know how else to get it. Um, it, I could see myself, I would take it. Um, and usually I would feel bad and, and sneak it back. So no one would even know, but, um, there was this, this pit of darkness in me that I couldn't overcome. And at the same time, I knew I was a Christian and those two realities were so conflicting in me. I didn't know how to deal with them. So I would read a lot of these books, and these people would give their lives to Christ, and um, the next few chapters, they would make all these decisions. And I'm going, how can they do that? And I can't. 
And so I think that's kind of where this book started. Um, my character, my main character, Kachura, um, she learned about Christ from her brother. Um, she didn't have a whole lot of, of um, teaching. She was a Jewish girl that, um, that who um, was raised in a Jewish family, a Jewish community. Um, in the year 70, or no, I guess she was 50, 58 AD was when the story started. And she became Christ and about, um, became a Christian at about 62 AD. And her brother was gone, and all she knew was that she wanted to follow Christ. And she kept making mistake after mistake, um, relying on what she thought was the right thing to do and um, creating the circumstance so she could say that she was doing what God wanted her to do and um, kind of helping God. Don't we all help God along? Um, yes, we do. Well, you can't do this without me. God, let me just <laughs> you know, arrange this so that it'll work better than what you have planned. Um, and, and she w was used to doing that. And so that's exactly what happened when she, um, she finally became a woman. Um, and in the, that time period when you were a young, um, young girl and you turned into a woman, you, um, had your, um, first started your menstrual cycle, that's when you were, able to um, be married. That's when you became the person um, that your parents could betroth. So she was betrothed and didn't think that she should be betrothed outside of the Christian family. She had heard of Paul's teaching of don't be unequally yoked, and she took it seriously but she took it into her own hands and she um, made a way for herself to escape, not the way that God probably would have wanted her to go. But So she ran away um, to find her brother, to um, help Paul with her brother. And in doing so, she lied, she stole, she manipulated and um, she sent and she didn't know she didn't know she wasn't doing the right thing you talk about this constant conflict within the sinner's heart which is simply a heart not saved by grace and there was a guy at my church who talked about this he felt like he could not follow Christ because he was not good he was not the good christian he was not it just really bothered him to the point where he actually pulled back because he said i can't be this good christian because i'm sinning all the time <laughs> you know he's like like you said every sunday i'm up there going you know take god back to my life you know do an invitation and i understand exactly where you're coming from but it's the fact that the lord uses us as flawed people even in the midst of our screw-ups that's Mm -hmm. incredible you kind of sit there like there's no way god can use me because look how messed up i just messed up i'm gonna go mess up when i leave church i'm gonna go mess up 
when I, as soon as I hit the church, we're going to go mess up. And he's like, how can God use it? You want to do it. You want to be sincere, but you're constantly fighting, fighting, fighting. And then you got the holy Christians, you know, they got it together, right? And you're like, I'm not holy. <laughs> so you have this constant fighting back and forth within yourself. And Paul talks about it. He said, well, I want to do good. I know. <laughs> and so I understand that dichotomy within us. And I'm so glad you're being so transparent with that. That will free someone. Some people won't follow Christ because they are very much well aware mm-hmm. that they're going to keep messing up. They're going to keep living in this thing. But you would say, again, of course you can't do it on your own. The thing is, the Lord says you don't have to do it on your own. That's why I think you're gone with the story. So there you go, dear listener. Under the penalty of death taking place in biblical fictional times in uh, late, you said, 58 AD, right? So this is after Christ's ministry. About 30, 30 years after Christ's ministry, he ascended his ascension. The disciples are doing things, turn the Roman Empire upside down. These little 12 fishermen turn the world upside down. <laughs> with the gospel of Christ, you know, lots of stuff is happening here. So go ahead, pick up your copy of Under the Penalty of Death. It's available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. When you guys see the cover, you're going to love it. The cover is absolutely phenomenal. Now, I do got to ask you a question because you have Mesu Andrews giving you a endorsement. How did you guys connect? Um, well, we both write biblical fiction. Um, and I actually, that a term that's not my favorite. I really like to use um, a Christian fic- fiction set in biblical times um, because it's not fiction. The the uh, part the story is fiction. What goes around it is fiction. But what happens in people's lives in the New Testament is not fiction, um, or in the Old Testament in the Bible at all. Um, and uh, let's see. We, so we connected just. Um, goodness um running past each other uh, talking about books on on facebook and and things and and um she was reposting my books i was reposting her books and really when it came to the endorsement i just reached out to her and said hey would you read this is this something that you would be um interested in and she came back with one of the most lovely um ingenuous um endorsements that I, I couldn't believe that she had actually um, said that about my book. She just said that it was so um, that, that she couldn't put it down and that um, and I was thinking, goodness, she is one of the biblical fiction stars. And she said that she liked my book. So I was really surprised. It's often humbling when someone you admire admires you back. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. like, it's like, wow, my gosh, thank you so much for being so kind enough because they don't have to do anything. No one has to do anything for you. And when you realize that people will take the time out to do something for you, it's just even more sweeter to get that kind of response back. So you yeah. got this book out. I'm sure there's another one on the way. There is. There is the... Um... Actually, a story of one of of the small toddler. There's a small toddler who is saved in the book. And um, she grows up, as children do. And um, so that's her story. Do you have a title for that yet, or are you still working on it? I'm still working on the title. Um, so it's it's not there yet. 
so in the few moments we have left, I want people to have an opportunity to connect with you go online. So go ahead and share your online connections with us. Absolutely. Well, you can um, visit me on my website, which is christinamears.com. Now, Christina's spelled a little different. It's K-R-I-S-T-E-N-A. So it's almost like Christine with an uh on the end. So um, christinamears.com. And um, I, um, I'm also on Facebook as just um, Christina Mears author and um, just started on TikTok. Not a, I'm not sure how I like it yet, but I did just upload a um, video of the books that I got today. So we'll see how that goes. Um, that is also Christina Mears. Pretty much everything is Christina Mears just need to make sure that you spell it right. In the few moments we have left, this show is always about encouraging aspiring authors whom God has given the gift to write to pick up a pen and do so. So go ahead and encourage them out there today. Oh, goodness. I would say the first thing for me, I cannot write unless I pray. So be in prayer about what God wants you to, to write. Um, and then pick up that pen and do it. You know, there's that saying that you can edit a bad page, but you can't edit a blank page. I can't remember who said that, um, but that's so true. Just write and write what you, what is you, write what you feel. Um, the story that I wrote wasn't one that other people wanted to or told me would work um, because I was writing through my own pain and my own um, failings. So when I wrote, people said that that's not what um, others want to hear. They don't want to hear about a Christian who fails. But in the end, God creates the victories. Amen. Oh, that will preach. That will preach. I usually don't interrupt when people are saying this part, but that will preach, Christina, you know, and God creates the victories. Oh, I may use that this year. I may <laughs> use that this year. I love that, Christina. You have been such an encouragement to me as well as a blessing. Your spirit just shines through, and I can tell our listeners are going to be just enthralled with your story and your, and your own testimony about how God brought you to this dream of yours that people say you should not have and you still have it anyway. We'll be back next time to dig deeper into Under the Penalty of Death. So stay tuned. Christina will be back with us. Christina, thank you for being with me today. Thank you. And we we're talking today to Christina Mears. She is debut novelist of Under the Penalty of Death, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So make sure you go ahead love on my sister and get your copy today were you invigorated by her conversation did you feel as if she truly understood where you come from because you also have the same struggles you feel like you can't get this thing called the christian walk right no matter how often you try you keep falling and failing and then you say can god use a failing christian are we even worthy of being in the house of the Lord? Christina is a wonderful example for you to follow. Not that she has it all together, 
but she is in the palm of the Lord's hand. And you can be too. And perhaps that's going to invigorate you to write something. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.